According to a new study, only women can lower the pitch of their voice and increase their hoarseness to sound sexy, but men who try to sound more attractive may sound worse. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath. I'm going to talk to you more about that here tonight on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. Tonight, I will be talking about sex, of course, as I do every Sunday night. However, in its most clinical way is my approach. My intent is to be respectful and educational. That said, listener discretion is advised, so please do put the kids to bed. Or, if it's offensive to you, what I try not to be, by all means, turn me off. You do not need to turn me on. First and foremost, V-Love has generously given me some more tickets to give out tonight to the West Coast Women's Show, which is going to be held at the Tradex Trade and Exhibition Center October 16th, 17th, and 18th on... That's all. (laughs) I will be speaking there at 4.30 in the afternoon. So if you would like to win two tickets, please give me a call. My voice just went up. Did you notice that? I was trying to have it low. Um, As if it's not low enough. Uh, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. If you want to give me a call and have a little chat, I'd love to give you those tickets. I'd love to meet you out there as well. That'll be so much fun that weekend. Talking about uh, sexual desire is what uh, my main subject will be then. I am Maureen, as I said, Maureen McGrath. I'm a registered nurse, a sexpert. I have a clinical practice. I blog. I do research. I'm exhausted. (laughs) How are you? Of course, I'm not exhausted. Never run out of energy. But a lot of people do. Uh, So you have to take care of yourself, and and that's always important. We'll probably be touching a little bit upon that uh, tonight in the show, as I always do. Oh, I have Brenda on the line. Hello, Brenda. Hello. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. Oh, that's great. Did you want to have those tickets, or did you have a sex problem? (laughs) No. Uh, well, I would really like the tickets. and uh, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, Uh-oh. people can't imagine that people have sexual health problems, but I actually see a number of patients in my office. There's a long wait list. But anyway, I will, uh, if you leave your information with the fabulous tech producer, Mike, given there, I can, we can mail these out to you. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Come and say hi when you're out there. Okay, we'll do. Take care around. All right, take care. Thanks okay. for the call. Okay, there you go. That's all I had. Um, I may have some tickets later in the show. I have uh, my little threesome. I'll tell you about that a bit later. Um, so tonight's program, often I design or develop the program based on uh, some of your emails to me, and I love the emails that you send to me, so keep them coming. Sex talk at cknw.com. One of the questions I had is why are women so attracted to accents in men? All I could think of was because they talk dirty better. But apparently there is some new research into the allure of the voice in men and women. So if you want to sound sexier, it's uh, much easier for women. Women lower the pitch of their voice and it increases their hoarseness to sound sexy. But men who try to sound more attractive can actually sound worse. And this is probably because women conform to a stereotype of what men find attractive by putting on a lower, hoarse voice to boost their sex appeal. 
They do this when they're on the phone as well, which I found was interesting. Women do this naturally when they are speaking to a man on the phone. If you want to call me, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell, we can test this out. But in the past, when I have spoken to men on the phone, the male listeners or the male callers, I have been, uh, it has been said uh, in the in the loveliest way, I'm sure that I flirt with the male callers, but that could be because there's a natural inclination for men for women to lower their voices when they are on the phone with men. So, and I probably do it on purpose anyway. Um, but uh, don't take yourselves too seriously ever in life. Uh, so there are, but there are particular traits that happen when um, women and men deliberately alter their voices. They did find that both sexes can increase the dominance and intelligence of their voices, but only men can project confidence when they alter their voices and try to sound sexier. But what do you want? To be the dominant one or have more confidence? I'll leave that up to you to decide. I know what I would choose. Uh, So this is one way women and men try to attract the perfect partner. But this weapon of seduction is limited to the ladies. So... Men, guys, sorry to disappoint, but you don't have the uh, the strength, the curtain. It's not that's not the word I'm looking for. The ability to make your voices sexier. Scientists in this research study that was done at Albright College in Pennsylvania also found that both sexes slow their speech to sound more attractive and can also manipulate their voices to sound more intelligent. Ain't that the truth? Um, if you think about it, if you think about how we communicate with other people, and there's very little communication these days given all of the technological devices that we have, and I'm going to be talking about that a little bit later in the program and how, how letting go a little bit of those can improve your sex life. So also on the program, I'm going to be talking about a little study that I thought was quite interesting about semen. Of course, I'm Maybe I'm the only person who thinks that a study about semen is interesting. But this particular study, uh, it was a small study, but often we have these small studies and that warrant uh, more further research into something. And so it has thought that antidepressant qualities were contained in semen. Of course, this gives a whole new meaning to the term cocktail. But uh, no, depression is a serious issue, and I think this this study did actually warrant uh, further investigation, and I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit about that later on in the program as well. I'm also going to be talking about why women's health matters so much. And Do you know who the E-Sisters are? Well, the E-Sisters are in the U.S., and they did a hunger strike on the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, in September for five days. The group represented thousands of women who were injured by the birth control device Escher. It's a permanent birth control device. People, women in the states had waged 5,000 complaints to the FDA, which included the death of five unborn babies and four women. Why does this matter? Because some of the organizations that are responsible for women's health care are not paying enough attention, not enrolling women in clinical trials. This is vital. We are half the population. It is vital that you pay very close attention to your health care, to what medications you're on. Women process medications quite differently, oftentimes a lot slower. Tylenol is one of the medications. Tylenol is an over-the-counter medication. A lot of people take that. But we've only been involved in research, women, uh, since the turn of the century. And oftentimes, 
side effects are not tested in women. I mean, there's a, this is a whole big issue. And there's three issues I want to talk to you about tonight. That is hysterectomy, which is very common, Escher, and mesh. We're going to touch upon that a little bit later in the program. Also, another email that I received was, Dear Maureen, throughout your research, which is the best online dating site for a long-term relationship? I am not a magician, and that is a very difficult question to answer, but I thought I could look into all of the different dating sites and their statistics, and they're probably lying, and they have fembots and the whole nine yards, and they're not going to really expose their, their data. And it's it's such a minefield out there, that online business about dating and sexting and the whole thing. You don't even know if it's a man or a woman behind whoever's texting you. Um, and so I, I decided, I thought we have to think about this a little bit differently. Is online dating the wave of the future? Do we need to get back to basics? What about professional matchmakers where we're actually communicating with people? And also a lot of these people who email me about this very question, how can I meet somebody, what's the best way to meet somebody, these people are down on themselves. And so when, when people feel they have no future, they've pretty much determined that they have no future on this, especially when it relates to love. So there's another way, um, you know, not to feel that your romantic future is doomed, so you've you, you got to do that first. You've got to stop thinking that it's doomed. You have to be open-minded. But the question is, it reminded me of a New York Times article I had seen several years ago and a TED Talk as well, How to Find Lasting Love in 36 Questions. The questions we ask are very important. The answers we give, it shows our vulnerability, and it's vital. And I'm going to be reviewing that a little bit later. And then the Globe and Mail study of or survey of 10,000 people revealed 75% of you are happy with your relationships, but over 50% of you are unhappy with your sex lives. I see that as well, that trends in my clinical practice also, and also the presentations that I give. So I've got my ultimate sex tips starting uh, with, you got to have a sense of humor. Don't take yourselves too seriously. When I come back, I'm going to be talking about Why Women's Health Matters. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. No one's ever gonna keep me around again. Oh, yes, I'm wise. Welcome back. It's Maureen McGrath trying to sing to you. (laughs) Sorry. I apologize. Uh, women's health is vital. I have a women's health clinical practice in Vancouver here, also in North Vancouver. I have a very long wait list. I treat women conservatively uh, with measures that are non-surgical or lifestyle changes or devices that may help with some of their issues. And my attention was um, caught by the E-Sisters. The E-Sisters is a group in the U.S. who, has, who have staked out a hunger strike in front of the FDA because, as it turns out, the FDA is not serving women properly. And women pay the price when that happens. A lot of women come into my office and they will say they want a medication or they want, before diagnosis, they actually want the medication or they'll say they want the surgery. There are things about surgery in this province. There are wait lists. Some surgeons have a two or three or maybe one month wait list for it depends it's a triage system here. Some surgeons have a year and a half two year wait list that's an important thing to ask the surgeon that you are going to be referred to or ask your g p 
how long am I going to have to wait for this surgery? And once you get in to see the doctor, and that may take you a month or three to get into one type of specialist, might take you eight or nine months to get into another specialist. So you want to know how long, because how is this impacting your quality of life? How is the issue? I see a lot of women with pelvic organ prolapse. Their bladders have fallen down. Their uteruses have fallen out. And they will often come in and say, I want the surgery. But the surgery is a year and a half down the road, and they have a life to live. And they also don't realize that there are side effects, that surgery isn't 100%. Drug medications are not 100%. They come with adverse events or side effects that may impact women more so, and we may not even be aware because so few women are actually enrolled in clinical trials as compared to men. The Escher is one such device that uh, is permanent sterilization, and this is why the E-Sisters went and held a hunger strike in front of the FDA. We need women in science. We need women to advocate for women. Men need to stay out of reproductive health decisions for women. Women need to make the decisions about what they're doing about their bodies. The Escher has had 5,000. It's an implantable device into the fallopian tubes. It promotes scar tissue. I imagine there's a great risk for pelvic pain. There's a great risk for sexual pain. There is a great risk for uh, migration of the device into other areas. And I imagine that it is not uh, 100% because there have been 5,000 complaints to the FDA. We have this device in Canada as well that uh, often the same products are approved by Health Canada. But the, the research is lacking. So there are 5,000 complaints. There were deaths of babies and deaths of women, and this product is still on the market. There's probably a little bit more to this story. Um, it, there's, it's so, um, th- these can be so complex and so detailed, but what we need to do is to start paying attention to women's health. It wasn't until 1994 that the FDA formed the Office of Women's Health, and that is to protect and advance the health of women through policy, science, and outreach. And that includes advocating for women in clinical trials and for sex, gender, and subpopulation analyses, because real women pay the price when organizations do not do their due diligence. So if you are thinking of having an Escher device, I would talk in great detail. Never be afraid of speaking to your doctor and asking a million questions before you have something inserted into your body because there can be life-altering, disfiguring, surgical complications, birth defects in babies, onset of chronic disease, especially chronic pain, which is incredibly difficult to treat. Also, women are completely underrepresented in clinical trials and research. And in fact, we didn't really enroll women in research until about 15 or 20 years ago. And this is one of the biggest hurdles to making drugs and devices safer for women is the lack of proper testing, specifically testing in early animal research and in human clinical trials. So this is also vital. And I'm mentioning this because we are having elections all over this continent, and you need to pay attention to the politicians who understand access to health care, women's health, who have respect for women, uh, because we have a long way to go in society. And, and I really think women's health care needs to be left up to women. Um, 
females have nearly double the risk to develop an adverse drug reaction as compared to men. So that is really something very significant. Take Tylenol, for example, which is an over-the-counter medication. It takes women 60% longer to actually rid their bodies of that medication. Now, depression is more common in women than it is in men. And somebody who may be having a call for help or may not be that serious, maybe, they may take Tylenol. And I've heard this before, patients who have um, attempted to or attempted to die by suicide, they've taken Tylenol in a way in the back of their mind thinking it was safer to take than a bottle of aspirin. Well, as it turned out, you can have significant liver damage from Tylenol in and of itself. And so women who take that are at much greater risk of having, of successfully dying by suicide. But we don't get this information out to women. Something else is a a very common procedure is a hysterectomy. And a lot of women, and especially for fibroids, um, a lot of women will ask for a hysterectomy. I'm amazed at how many women come in and just say, just take it all out. They don't realize they are going to suffer loss after that, a, a, a significant loss of a female reproductive organ. Also, there is a tool that is used. A lot of the surgeries have become minimally invasive which is fantastic because it advances the progress of medicine, it decreases wait times, it it opens up OR times, and that's all fabulous. But sometimes certain devices um, put women at greater risk without realizing it. Take a hysterectomy, for example, for uterine fibroids. There's a device called the power morselator. And that device actually, it does what it says, it shreds the uh, fibroids through a small incision. But there's a risk of sarcoma in women, which is a certain type of cancer. There's about a 1 in 392 women who undergo hysterectomy. So there's a significant risk of having a a sarcoma. And you know what happens when you um, shred a, a tumor? It actually spreads throughout the peritoneum, especially if you're in there doing a hysterectomy. And so this device potentially has, has done a lot of good, but potentially has uh, significant negative consequences for women. Something else is mesh. Mesh is used when people have pelvic organ prolapse. You probably read a little bit about that. And so certain doctors are, are skilled and finessed here in Canada, and they are outstanding in uh, using mesh to treat pelvic organ prolapse. And we call them the operators. That's kind of the term. They're the surgeons, but they're the operators. And you need to know your operator of mesh has significant experience in using it, inserting it, and also removing it should you be having a problem with it. Because there's been a lot of problems with mesh in terms of pain and and also migration. So it's moved from the place that it was meant to be. So mesh is can result in significant pelvic pain. It can impact a woman's sex life so that she's not able to have sex with her partner, maybe for a long time, maybe for the rest of her life. I had one woman who suffered neurological issues as a result of mesh uh, implantation where she got soaring high blood pressure whenever um, she had an injury located below the level of where her uh, mesh was located. Uh, and nonetheless, it's, um, it is something to consider. So it's, you really want to understand the healthcare, understand the procedures you're 
about to undergo. Understand the tools that these surgeons are using. Um, do not be afraid to ask any questions. Don't feel like you're going to hurt the doctor's feelings. I've heard that so many times. Will he be upset or she be upset if I decide not to have the surgery? And that, and really, when you think about that question, that is your body. There are many conservative measures that are used uh, to treat certain conditions, and they do a phenomenal job, and they have much uh, lower risk and lower side effects. But uh, anyway, that's my little bit on um, certain uh, medications and drugs. And and just be careful. It's your body. And just know that it can impact um, the rest of your life. And you don't want to end up with things like urinary retention. I, I work a lot in the reproductive area. So urinary retention, pelvic pain, sexual pain, these can all make your life really miserable. When I return, we're going to lighten things up a little bit, and we're going to be talking about love. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. If you're just joining me or you have never listened before, I'm Maureen McGrath. I am hosting the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm a registered nurse. I am a nurse continence advisor. I deal with patients who have bladder, bowel, and sexual health issues. As well, I help people to navigate life in the uh, healthcare system or their relationship as well. And to that end, I get a lot of questions about relationships because they are complex. And I'm going to be talking to you a little bit about uh, relationships in this half hour, how to meet that everlasting love, and then what to do with them once you get them. (laughs) Keep things going. Keep the flame alive. But first, I was attracted to a small research study of sexually active college females because this study said that women uh, had a lower incidence of depression, these sexually active women who did not use condoms. And so it was that that what they realized was that the semen had antidepressant qualities. So in a sample of sexually active college females, condom use as the indirect measure of the presence of semen in the reproductive tract was related to scores on the Beck Depression Inventory. That's something else I'd like to tell you about, the Beck Depression Inventory. If you feel, if you are feeling that you have some low symptoms, you're not enjoying life, you're not getting joy out of it the way you did before, that you're perhaps fatigued. Some people have described it as feeling like they're dragging one foot after the other out of quicksand, Uh, that life is just getting harder. Perhaps you're irritable, crying a bit more. There are validated questionnaires like the Beck Depression Inventory that you can take that may indicate a mild, moderate, or severe depression. And that may just be what you or a family member needs to do. It's online uh, to go and speak to your physician about that because depression needs to be treated. But getting back to this research study where semen has antidepressant qualities, giving a whole new meaning to the term cocktail, um, not only were the females who were having sex without condoms less depressed, but depressive symptoms and suicide attempts among females who use condoms were proportional to the consistency of condom use. For women who did not use the condoms, depression scores went up as the amount of time since their last sexual encounter increased. This data is consistent with the possibility that semen may actually antagonize depressive symptoms. It can be absorbed into the vaginal tissues. One more reason to have sex. (laughs) Did you need another one? 
Um, I can come up with them. Uh, Another reason this may help people feel better, look younger, be happier. The evidence showed that the vagina absorbs a number of components of semen that can be detected in the bloodstream within a few hours of administration. I thought this was really interesting, even though only about 40 or 50 women were in this study. Thank goodness they put some women in this study. Um, So I think this is really important. Somebody made a comment and they said, well, isn't it that people who are in happy relationships aren't depressed and that that could not be further from the truth? That is the traditional thinking. You think, look at them. They have it all. They have a beautiful home and perfect children, a couple of cars. Everything's going well. She has a nanny. She doesn't work outside of the home. I mean, you think money is... uh, is the root of all happiness, and uh, it's actually the root of all evil. But you think money can solve problems, but money cannot solve depression. We need so much more education around depression and mental illness. As I was driving here tonight, I happened to be coming uh, uh, through Hastings, and the the downtown east side is, it's Vancouver's shame, and it's all mental illness. I do work down in that area, there's so much mental illness there, and, and we look, when, when mental illness goes untreated, this is what we end up with. And we think it's a drug issue, but it's, it's a medication issue. It's people are self-medicating, and people, depression knows no bounds. We have the CEO who can get depression. We have the college athlete who can get depression. They're, they're, depression does not discriminate. But I think this, is, uh, this warrants more investigation. Depression is a physical illness caused by the disruption of brain neurochemistry. It's not about how much money you have. It's not about how happy you are in your relationship. You can be so happy in your relationship and and out of nowhere, seemingly out of nowhere, strikes anxiety or depression. And it you may have an event or events that trigger a genetic propensity toward depression. It's complex indeed, but if people, I've heard of people who have had depression, if the answer is on the other side of the room and, they, and it's a million dollars, they can't get up to walk over to get that. I have Jim on the line, and he has a question about depression. Hello, Jim. Oh, I just a question and sort of a statement of, I kind of disagree that it's Vancouver's shame. It's certainly a governmental funding cutback issue. It nothing to do with the people of Vancouver or British Columbia. It's the government that has been cutting back funding for the mental, whether it's hospitals or what have you. That's all, uh, that's all I wanted to contribute. What do you think of that? Well, I actually think we're all responsible in society. I've, uh, have you traveled to other cities around this country and in the U.S.? Yes. Have you been to Cabrini Green in Chicago? I have or not. have you been to the Red Light District in Boston? There's nothing not. like the downtown east side. Let me tell you. And we are all responsible. And I'll tell you why we're responsible. It's so easy to blame the government officials. We elect them. Uh, So we we have responsibility there. That also, that situation spreads to the suburbs. If we think that that is limited down there, it is not. I see the women whose husbands have gone down to the downtown east side because they may be in a sexless marriage. They are of all ages and stages. And a woman may get pregnant and she's all of a sudden got found out she's got hep C, and she's learned of the fate. This is also seeping into our suburbs. 
I, I feel very strongly about this issue. We, we bring these people through the city jail. We arrest them. We bring them in for breaches. We bring them in constantly. We book them. We, it's, it's like a reality show, honestly. It's like a game. And sometimes you feel like we're just justifying jobs down here. We're doing nothing to help the people. It's very, very difficult. We, we need to eliminate the stigma that's associated with mental illness and depression. We need to accept people for who they are. We need to stop sexually abusing. I heard a stat that about 90% of the people on the downtown east side have been sexually abused as a child. We as a society are responsible to end sexual abuse. What do you think? <laughs> are you there? I guess you hung up. <laughs> I guess I have dominance over that. My voice was lower. Jim, I really appreciate your call. And, you know, if you have any interest in uh, getting on my bandwagon about this, I'm you are more than welcome. Um, so... Having sex, reducing depression, what what better way? Anyway, uh, I think we definitely need more research into depression. And uh, just because you seemingly are in a happy, healthy relationship does not mean you are not at risk for depression. Life happens. A lot of men lose their jobs. And that is one of the most common reasons for depression. Divorced men are ha- twice as likely to get depression than men who have never been divorced. I will say the design of this study is slightly flawed. However, the an- potential antidepressant qualities of semen may warrant further investigation. To that end, I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. And when I come back, we're going to be talking about love. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. I think I've been promising you that I would tell you about my little threesome. I think I've told you about my threesome before, haven't I? Um, Actually, my threesome involves three different cities on three different nights, uh, several different subjects, all about sex. Uh, I'm going to be hosting Hot Flash in the City, which is a cocktail party, of course. (laughs) Now you know one of the new ingredients. No, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> after tonight's show. Um, we're going to have a cocktail reception. Men and women are welcome, of course, because I do think that it's important that men know about women's health as well. If you're in a relationship with a woman, it's helpful to know why she's screaming at you at midlife. Um, also, it has. Uh, there's going to be people there uh, interested in women's health, so lots of uh, vendors and sponsors. And there's a movie called Hot Flash Havoc that's about an hour long. And then there will be... Dr. Anjali Mohotra, who is a women's health specialist and a National Association Menopause Society specialist as well, will be presenting, and I will be presenting as well. Guess what I'm going to talk about? Um, and they're going to be held in on November 17th. It's in West Vancouver at the K Meek Center, and it starts at 6 o'clock. And in uh, Coquitlam, it's going to be at the Evergreen Theater, and it's uh, on November 18th, that's the Wednesday, and then on Thursday night, uh, the climax is going to be at the Scotia Theater um, at 6 o'clock as well, and so you can choose your city of the threesome, and uh, and I hope you do join me. I To that end, I have a couple of tickets that I will give out, and I'll be giving them out over the next over the coming weeks. Uh, so give me a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell if you want to have a couple of tickets and choose your city of my threesome. Anyway, I get a ton of questions about how can I meet somebody? I'm never going to meet anybody. One Somebody went so far as to say, you know, I'm not attractive enough. I don't look good enough. I'm never going to meet anyone. I wish I were white. I said, get over yourself. Anyway, you know, have a positive attitude. Be open. Show your vulnerability. 
And it turns out I'm probably correct. So, <laughs> as usual, not a surprise. I do have uh, Valerie on the line. Hello, Valerie. Hi. How are you, Maureen? Fine, thank you. How are you? Um, hot flashing. Are you hot flashing? <laughs> Wait, I'm going to lower my voice because you're a woman. I, I just felt my voice go up. Have you been listening to the show? Yes, I have. <laughs> so the, the truth is that, yes, I do lower my voice when I speak to men and raise it when I speak to women. So probably that's why people are thinking I flirt with men, which is so not true. <laughs> I'm going to try that myself. <laughs> yeah, you should. All these tips. Yeah. So you're hot flashing. Perfect. So which... And I have a girlfriend who uh, <laughs> missed missed the, a movie sometime, I don't know, over a year ago at the Scotia Center. She really wanted to go, so I'm going to ask her. Oh, nice. I don't know if it's this movie. <laughs> it's about hot flashing. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, well, fabulous. Okay, yeah. well, this one's going to be about hot... This is actually a medical uh, done by uh, medical physicians in... Great. Uh, the U.S. It's going to be a blast. So Great. That'll be, I'm so happy you won. So if Great. you can leave your information with <laughs> with Mike. And oh, you're going to go to the Scotia Theater one then? Um, well, that, she, she lives in Coquitlam, so oh, I might choose Coquitlam. Whatever you like. It doesn't yes. matter. Yes. You know? Yeah. All right. Well, Valerie, thanks so much for the call. Thank you so much for your show. I enjoy it so much. Oh, thank, thank you so much. Okay. All right. Take Bye. care. Bye now. All right. How do you find love? in all the wrong places. Maybe you're looking in the wrong places. It's about the questions you asked. Made me think, all these online dating and all of this, uh, you know, meeting somebody. And one time I had a friend, she actually, true story, she said every guy on there wants sex. Yeah, hello. And she said, so she decided to put, uh, as a woman, you know, she is a woman, and she said, I decided I to write on it, I am only interested in sex. She said she got 500 responses, of course. But it allowed her to actually go through everybody, and choose the one she wanted to meet. And she ended up having a relationship with him. I'm not sure that's going to work for everybody, but it's an idea. And that's what we have to do is come up with these ideas. So it brought me back to, we have to change this. This online dating thing probably isn't working for everybody. So there was a woman who was, she was worked in science, in the science field, and she had been with a man for nine years. And at age 29, she was heartbroken. And, and if you've ever been heartbroken, it is painful. It hurts so much. There is nothing like it. You think you are never going to get over it. It physically hurts. And there is some evidence to support that it does show in your heart. So she decided to take the scientific approach, uh, which I like, um, or clinical, anything, and she had reviewed some research done by the psychologist Arthur Aaron. He had done that 20 years ago, and he brought two strangers into the lab, and he had them ask 36 questions of each other. And this couple fell in love, and they ended up getting married, and they invited the entire lab. So she decided to test it herself. She did have these ask these questions with somebody, an acquaintance, somebody that she was in school with. She didn't really know him that well. But what her goal was never to feel the pain of heartache again and to really find that right person. And I think there's merit in these questions because I think the questions we ask people are, what do you do for a living? Where do you come from? What kind of a car do you drive? Like, who cares about any of that? It's all shallow. But what we do, we report it back. Oh, he's this tall. He drives a BMW. Oh, he's in business. He's a CEO. Well, I mean, who cares? He may beat you. He may be a total uh, somebody that you are not sexually attracted to. I do believe Avril Lavigne has come out and said that she was not attracted to her husband sexually, but more intellectually. And that can be a problem in a relationship. You want to be attracted to somebody sexually, and sometimes you've got to be open up. You've got to open up, and you've got to be vulnerable. 
And the 36 question in, questions in this study lends itself to mutual vulnerability fosters closeness. And I love these questions because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a question person. I will go to a party. I will meet somebody. I've met some of my best friends by just asking them a million questions. And, and sometimes people will say, I can't believe you're asking them all those questions. It's like, well, how am I going to get to know them if I don't ask these questions? Or um, I was going to say something else about uh, asking questions. Uh, but when people ask me questions, anyway, it's interesting. It, it says a lot about the person, the questions that they ask you. So I loved some of these questions. And it starts with one we've heard before, given the choice of anyone in the world, whom would you want as a dinner guest? Of course, I'd want Sue Johansson and Dr. Ruth <laughs> together because I want to ask them, did you experience some of the things that I experience here in this job and some of the emails and things that I get? <laughs> like, How did you ward those people off? How did you fend them off? Because when you're a woman talking about sex in British Columbia, opens yourself up to a lot of questions, I might say. Another one, would you like to be famous? In what way? And these are increasingly intimacy, intimate questions. Before making a telephone call, do you ever rehearse what you're going to say and why? And I'm going to put these on my website, which is www.backtothebedroom.ca. What would constitute a perfect day for you? When did you last sing to yourself? If you were able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or the body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years of your life, which would you want? Do you have a secret hunch of how you will die? Name three things you and your partner appear to have in common. For what in your life do you feel most grateful? If you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be? Take four minutes and tell your partner your life story in as much detail as possible. I want to get back because we're running out of time. I want to go to some of the latter ones. Make three true we statements each. For instance, we are both in this room feeling. Complete this sentence. I wish I had someone with whom I could share. If you were going to become a close friend with your partner, please share what, what would be important for him or her to know. Share with your partner an embarrassing moment in your life. When did you last cry in front of another person? Be your, by yourself. Tell your partner something that you like about them already. What, if anything, is too serious to be joked about? And many, many more. And Jill Bennett's from this morning was, was of course, how would you respond if you ordered steak in a restaurant and it came back rare and you ordered it well done anyway so those are some of the questions it's an interesting way i'm going to have to get back we're going to follow this up a little bit more and i'd love to hear your experience with it and i suggest you try it it's going to be on my website www.backtothebedroom.ca but when i come back anyway i gotta to go to break now and when i come back i'm going to tell you my ultimate sex tips i'm maureen mcgrath you're listening to the cknw sunday night sex show my heart's pounding. I'm Maureen McGrath. Welcome back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. It's always a pleasure for me to be here with you tonight. Of course, I hope you're enjoying it as well. People often ask me, what do I do? How do we bring the flame back to the bedroom? So here I go. It all starts in the brain, but let's face it, the bedroom is where most people engage. So I want you to create a sexy space in that bedroom. I want it hotel-like. No laundry. Fresh, clean sheets every single day. Air dry them if possible. Also, turn up the heat in the bedroom. A lot of women are cold, and uh, a lot of men are warm, so you don't want to turn up too, uh, too warm so that men are uncomfortable. Or if it's two women, then you can crank up the heat um, because probably they're a little cool. Anyway, um, keep the TV in the room. You hear, take the TV out. But you know what? I'm all for keeping the TV in there. I walk the talk, I'll tell you. Uh, because you can watch romantic or erotic movies. 
But I do say take the phones out of the room. Did you know that one in 10 person admits to checking their smartphone during sex? What does that say about us? What does that say about the kind of sex we're having? That way you cannot focus on your, your own pleasure or your partner. So as you know, I love to sing. I can't sing, but I love to sing. So um, music and sex tap into a very primitive part of your brain, and the two go hand in hand. So, you know, get a nice sexy playlist, something wave-like feeling, a little jazz, John Legend. This is my, uh, goes back to my shoe model days <laughs> when I have, I have lots of shoes. Anyway, lots of shoe boxes. Uh, keep a sexy box. I actually have a sexy room in my house, but, you know, <laughs> I get a lot of these given to me. Um, it's tough, it's tough when I have guests sleeping over, you know, oops, got to clear the room out. What are they going to think of me? Especially if they're my Irish Catholic relatives. But anyway, get a sexy box, just an indiscreet box. Put all of your sexual aids in like lubes, condoms, personal massages, massagers. My Boston accent came out there in one discreet container that is easily accessible. So you can leave it under the bed. You can put it in a chest of drawers. Um, anyway, this is why women have so many shoes because they can have all these discreet boxes. So never, uh, discourage the woman in your life from purchasing shoes. Uh, make your bedroom hotel-like. Uh, order those sheets. You can order them online. Uh, get a bottle of water, have it on the night table, chocolate on the pillow, and thick curtains, uh, blackout uh, blinds and curtains to block out the light. You want to keep out the outside world so you can have someone else. Uh, so you can have, you can just be in the moment. You can have someone else on your mind. That's fine because that may, in fact, increase arousal. But you don't want to bring that outside world in. And my best one, I think, is you always want to leave them wanting. When you leave them wanting, you leave them wanting more. And this is an art, not a science. So I'm going to leave you wanting and get to more on that next week. So we have a couple things to catch up on next week. In the meantime, you can go to my website, www.backtothebedroom.ca. You can follow me on Twitter, at back, the number two the bedroom. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, but don't creep me out on Facebook, okay? Because I will unfriend you immediately. Big thanks to Mike Given, who's done a bang up job tonight, as he does every week here on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Thank you so much. Remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I am Maureen McGrath. You have been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.